Welcome to UberCube, where we discuss all things Cube, but with refreshments. This is going to be episode number three, our Storms of Bruin episode. I am uh, your host, UberBear, a.k.a. Anthony Adams. We can invert that at any point in time. And I've got my co-pilot, Stu. Still with no moniker, I'm just going to be Stu. And that is acceptable. (laughs) We're here to kind of talk about a very complex yet interesting, divisive topic. Storm, and we're going to have some, uh, we're going to call it banter, maybe a little bit of a... <laughs> so you can say disagreements. Uh, antagonism. It's, sure. going, it's going to happen. You're going to mm-hmm. hear some, uh, you might hear my voice flare a few times during this episode, a little squeak every time I groan, but you know, we're going to get through it. We're friends. We're friends, right? We are. This is all, all to be constructive. Right? <laughs> and this, I will say this, the discussion regarding Storm... Uh, as an archetype in Cube has kind of gone back and forth between Anthony and I and other members of our group for probably the whole time that we've been playing Magic together. Yeah. Um, Anthony knows me as a fan of Storm. I think the archetype is incredible. It's been around for a thousand years, it feels like. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're, you're going to see me on the pro storm side of things and maybe <laughs> Anthony on the, uh, not, not quite so pro storm, but you know, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. But before we get into the topic, uh, we're going to flow into some preamble stuff. So the first thing is we're doing is a tradition here at Ubercube. Absolutely. Team Uber Bear. Team Uber Bear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, tonight. We are all enjoying uh, Tomatin Highlands Single Scotch Whiskey. It's a 12-year bourbon cherry cask, single malt scotch. Asked the community, uh, we talked about swords and the swords of fallen favor. If you haven't heard that episode, check it out. Uh, we reached out and we've got some feedback on the two swords that are have not been made in the cycle. And we asked for people to put on their Morrow Brains and design uh, some interesting swords that people maybe would want to play with that were reasonable. Yeah, so these were the two missing swords from the cycle, the yep. first one being Demir, the second one being Gruul. And I will say we received some phenomenal ideas and, you know, based on some of the craziness that we've seen from the design team over at Wizards of the Coast over the last few years, maybe some of you guys should be designing cards instead of them. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so uh, let's talk about uh, about the first one. So the first one is our Demir Sword. Anthony, would yeah, you yeah, like yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one, uh, what I like is some people even got more creative and they gave it names, which... Well, that like they gave it pizzazz. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Moxie. Yeah. <laughs> so we have our first one. It is going to be a Demir sword, and it is the Sword of Creation and Destruction. It's going to cost it. three mana value to cast, and it's going to read as follows. The equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from black and blue. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player... Create a token that is a copy of target creature or artifact that player controls. Then that player discards a non-land, non-creature card equipped to. I like it. I, I think that the the obviously the the creating a token kind of fits the theme real nice. Yeah, yeah. I like the the discard, although I kind of feel that I will say that I, I spent some time ruminating on this one longer than I did the Gruul one, even though the Gruul kind of fits my play style. And I wanted all of my being to be like, just freaking Thoughtseize. Just if it does combat damage, Thoughtseize. Because to me, that's just the epitome of black. It's just such an iconic black card. I can kind of understand why some might think that maybe it'd be a little overpowered, but I like it. Just just feedback on them. I think you might be helping them if they're reanimator. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Hey, like, but if your thought season someone, maybe you're going to dump my them, big you know? dumb dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, maybe they've only got one card in hand oh, and it's, uh, you know, it's Dragon Lord. Oh, man, you got my fat creature. I guess I have to reanimate it now. Sucks. <laughs> Sucks. God, don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so that was our Demir card, which Mullet, again, yeah, yeah pretty sword, sweet. Uh, again, I got to give a shout out to the name Creation and Destruction. It, it makes sense, actually. Yeah. Beautiful. So the I'm second one, that one, yeah. So Gruul, which uh, my player group will know that I, I I do tend to like my Gruul. So this one was Sword of Rage and Ruin. Uh, equipped creature gets plus two plus two and has protection from green and from red. 
equipped creature deals combat damage to a player goad target creature that player controls then destroy target non-basic land its controller may search their library for a basic land and put it onto the battlefield then shuffle I actually like this I think this is think absolutely incredible design space is beautiful I think it's just got yeah, it hits all the boxes for me the the non-basic land destruction, sensational. Yeah. Um, go and get a basic land. Beautiful. I, I this, this is elegant. It's wonderful. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You should probably apply. <laughs> I, 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 I think, I, I think this is a winner for me. Yeah, uh, yeah, of yeah. all the, of all the submissions that we had, this one to me was not just the one that I enjoyed reading the most, but also I think the most realistic. Oh yeah. That one's, uh, oh yeah. I jammed that in a lot of. Absolutely. Decks. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's a gruel decks. We had a few other pretty cool ones. Um, one that I wanted to really like um, was Sword of Reflection and Dread. This was another Demir, plus two, plus two. When it deals combat damage to a player, you may exile target creature from that player's graveyard, then create a token copy of that creature, except the token gains whenever this creature becomes the target of a spell or ability, sacrifice it. I like it. I think it's pretty cool. I really do. I think it's it's really cool. The reason why I like this less than even just the 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 gruel one, the gruel one just seems like if you're a good cube drafter, one of the things that you're going to take very highly is mana fixing, right? Oh, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. The, you know you're going to take your sharks, you're going to take your dual lands. The ability to be able to you know impact that. I'm all about it. Yeah. And maybe you're a little bit more reliant on your opponent having a creature. I kind of feel that there could have been maybe an extra element to creating a, a token copy of something. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what that is because I didn't design it, I, but I do like this one. I'm going to go with the Gruul one now. So here we go. Same same designer, the Sword of Smite and Reclamation. A equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and protection from green and red. When a crypt creature deals combat damage to a player, you may destroy target non-basic land that player controls and return target land from your graveyard to your hand. That's kind of spicy. It's wonderful as well. Kinda I mean, spicy. the gruel ones really did kind of You guys like one of the lands. Yeah, so they're angry. Like, there's more, there's more green-red players. Yeah, yeah you, you gruel players, you gotta you need to calm down. Yeah. A little angry. <laughs> I don't know. How, I don't know how well you do in a social interaction, but you can't. You can't just be punching people at parties. <laughs> I mean, you can, but you you better be uh, prepared like, for the consequences. Oh God, you got more land to me. I'm gonna flip your monopoly board over. You, you, you <laughs> That's a rule player. You better be thick. You better Not be paying thick rent. Boy, yeah. Um, but yeah, we've got one here from our friend, and he states everyone else is being reasonable. So <laughs> this shall not be reasonable. We'll stick. Uh, we'll just stick to the effects rather than yeah. the uh, you know reading the whole card. But yeah, all plus two plus two. So this one, when equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, deals the same amount of damage to all creatures and planeswalkers, and this creature gains indestructible until the beginning of your next upkeep. Now I'll say this. Okay, the first time I read this, I was like. This guy's nuts, whoever's designing this. But the second time I read this, I realized that the effect applies to all creatures and all planes. Wait a minute, that's actually kind of... I I, I thought he busted Ah, it too. Yeah, yeah, because the first time I was like, what? You just board wipes for for doing some combat damage, potentially. Like, that's completely nuts. But no, it's a symmetrical effect in Gruul, where typically... Don't have indestructibility. Don't have indestructibility or more likely to have some mana dorks. You know, you're small red creatures, right? Goblin Guide, Monastery, Swift Spear, stuff like that. Yeah. You're more likely to be taking out a bunch of your own creatures potentially than than the other player. So... But maybe victory at any cost is what I would have called this card. But he chose (laughs) Sword of Rage and Rest. Victory at any cost would have been pretty dope. I think so too. (laughs) I think that. And Demir is equipped creature deals combat damage to a player. Choose a card type. Each opponent exiles a card of the chosen type from their hand and reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a card of the chosen type and exiles that card. Man, this uh, wordy. <laughs> it's magic. It can be. Yeah, is this from Alpha and Beta? <laughs> I can't read this card. <laughs> Opponent returns reveal cards at random on the bottom of their library. So uh, we've got a Demir one that's Surveil 2, run a creature card from your graveyard to your hand, and then you lose life equal to its mana value. Love that. Reasonable. Absolutely love that. And I love Surveil. We talked about this yeah, when we first I saw like the it. submissions. I think yeah. Surveil is a wonderful mechanic, so I dig this. Yeah. 
And then we've got a gruel sword with naturalize attached to it. And then plus one, plus one counter to the creature when it hits. I like that. So yeah, it's incremental growth. It'll deal with the problem. It's that one's, that one's cool too. I feel like that's the kind of sword that, you know, once the more powerful and the more potential artifacts and stuff and enchantments, you're going to hit. You can get some interaction there. I like it. And then we've got, uh, we're going to be our last one here. It's going to be the Demir sword again. Uh, mill cards until the player that's been struck by said card until they hit a land. You may cast one of those cards using mana as if it were any color. It's spicy. And then the last one is going to be the gruel one. Destroy target artifact or land. Create a 3-1 red-green elemental. Yeah. That's so spicy. That's spicy. Very, very sort of on the red side, which red is more on the land destruction. So I think that one is really cool effect. Not quite as much on the green side of the effects as I would like to see. But uh, I think from a power level, I dig it. Yeah, so I just wanted to thank everybody for the community uh, interaction here. Uh, if you're very confused right now and you're on Scryfall, uh, good luck. Uh, it's not your fault. You can't find them in your search, engine, search engines. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're not nuts. But this was a fun exercise, and uh, we kind of want to do more stuff like this in the future. We will. We'll do plenty more of these. Yeah, just try to. And if you have, and by the way, if anybody has any suggestions of like uh, cool exercises we can do during this podcast, absolutely. At, like the one we just did, head us up. Uh, interaction is the key to magic at twitter you know where we are <laughs> at ncg at, all right NCG. it is time for us to move on to our actual topic now all right so here we are the divisive as you called it bum, topic bum, bum. storm yes all right so first of all what is storm so pretty straightforward it's a triggered ability on a spell and basically you just copy it for each spell that's been cast before it that turn. That includes your spells as well as your opponent's spells. Right. And that's it. Pretty yep. straightforward. Mm-hmm. So first thing we're going to talk about are the ingredients to a Storm deck. Um, number one, Fast Mana. Pretty yep. straightforward. That can be everything from Rituals to Marks, Black Lotus... Lion's Eye Diamond, all that kind of stuff. Anything that allows you to generate mana quickly and efficiently, you want to be about it. The second thing is going to be tutors. Demonic tutor, vampiric tutor, mystical tutor, all that kind of stuff. All of those can be great enablers for Storm. Hand disruption and counter magic, definitely... On the hand disruption side, I am a huge fan of yeah. sticking as much of the hand disruption spells in your storm deck as possible. Counter magic is a bit of a doozy on top of that. And then finally, obviously, you want your, your win con and your finishes. Now, it's important to notice that um, as this mechanic has evolved, uh, the idea of storm or storming off has also become synonymous with playing a lot of spells during a singular turn. Yeah. So you're basically stacking on top of your previous spells, and people are are storm counting, but they may not actually be going for the actual goal of a storm finisher. You're just trying to do a whole bunch of stuff on your But... The stacking can give it can bluff the idea that you're you're going to storm off. So people will do that as a tactic, basically, and you'll see it. You'll see it happening. So, anyway, so we're going to move on to the pros and the cons of the idea of having a storm archetype added to your cube environment. So, pros: complex lines. Players like advanced trains of thought while playing. You could kind of fit this as a pro and a con, but I definitely think it's more of a pro than a con. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. It's a complex and difficult archetype to navigate. Considering that Magic is one of the most complex games in the world, if not the hardest game in the world, uh, I can see where people would gravitate towards the idea of doing very complex, linear... Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's a fan favorite. Yeah. Now, now that that's loose. That's a one-sided fan favorite, being the fan that's storming, right? <laughs> Well, no, I, I agree with the that it is a fan favorite. Like we we talked about this at one point. If you show up to you know someone's house and you're like, "Hey, I've got my vintage cube with me," and they're right. like, "You know what? This is so convenient because we're all massive cube enthusiasts. We love playing some vintage cube." And they draft the deck or they draft the cube and they say, "You know what? I haven't, and storm. you haven't seen any <laughs> storm, um, you know, supported in that. What's going on?" I will say that uh, as a 540 curator, I have chosen to uh, omit it for the time being. I, ha- I, uh, boo. I-, I have tested it in the past, but we'll talk about that. Um, let's move on to some more pros. You get to run the fast mana, the, the power nine. You can, uh, if you have copies of it, et cetera, or versions in your cube, it's, it, it does, you know. 
give you access to that. They idea. give you amazing value. And really, this uh, archetype thrives in that environment. Sure. It's, it's looking for that. Yep. And I put down wheel effects because I like wheel effects. I like the idea of uh, time twisters. I like wheel of fortunes, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I, I just think they're really fun. And uh, I think it kind of you know, highlights the, but also cross pollinates with other archetypes within the cube. Um, cons, and this is, uh, this is my feelings. <laughs> as don't, right don't, or wrong as yeah, they may yeah, be. Yeah, my feelings are entitled to be wrong, but they're probably not. Uh, lacks interaction when I said that this is, uh, it's kind of like you go into a sports event and you're just in the stands because the other player is out there on the field. That is the thing. You're goldfishing. You are. In, in, in essence, you're yeah. goldfishing. Now, I will say that more so in a paper environment, that you're going to see the lax interaction maybe becoming a bit more of a factor, right? I can see that. If you're playing online, um, you're not necessarily playing against the same player that's drafted or against the player that's drafted in the same cube as you. So they might have access to some of the same spells that you yeah, have. Yeah, that's actually so if a good you've point. Taken, yeah. yeah, so if you've taken highly, which you should, yeah. cards like Force of Will that are going to be not just anti-Storm cards, but just anti-anything cards, um, I would take those fairly highly yeah. if I was drafting Storm. Inquis- Inquisition of Kozilek, etc. Yeah, Inquisition, Thought Seize, the yeah. whole nine yards. Yeah. If you've taken those in a paper environment where there's only one, that's amazing for you, yeah. but online, not necessarily the case. Additional cons, we said it before, complex lines. Uh, this uh, entire archetype can be, frankly, intimidating. Yeah, uh, this is not, not, an, easy, this not, is not an easy deck to play. It, it's not noob-friendly. I mean, it's not. Uh, it, it takes a while to build up and understand because the... Storm count alone has so much complexity that it requires monitoring on both sides of the fence. While the other player may be storming off, you as the opponent, uh, you have to be keeping an eye on it because it's complicated and you need to be watching their steps. Yeah. Because, do you want to judge hovering over your shoulder? Yeah. Or, you know, kind of trying to go uh, In off? a paper environment, this is brutal. Yeah, uh, it's sure. probably a lot cleaner on um, MTGO because yeah, you got it's everything tracking. software is doing it for Absolutely. you. But yeah, there's a lot going on here. And that's where the complex lines can be intimidating because the new player is sitting across the table watching going, storm count, whatever. <laughs> I, I don't even know what storm three did. Yeah. What's <laughs> you, storm? What do you mean you're copying you cast those spells? Spell what do you mean you get to play that you, for zero mana you, or recur you, that from your you graveyard? Lion's eye, what is lion's eye? I don't know. What that, he's he's no. emptying his hand. Yeah. No, so I've got a scavenging goose. What the hell do you think you're doing? It, it is not fun to be on the other side of the fence. <laughs> so you really have to pay attention. So it does require... Uh, even though you're not engaged with the lines of play, you need to be watching, you know, sure. like a hawk. Agreed. Uh, the overall cost of adding the pieces, uh, I mean, a lot of these cards that are in the storm package now, they're they're up there in dollar signs. Uh, so that that can be a factor in your choice to run this. Absolutely, they're not they're not cheap. But I would also counter that with if you're playing green, then you know what's a real nice card when you're playing green is Gaia's Cradle. You seen uh, the cost of know, Gaia's Cradle recently? Is it bad that I went with the Squirrel Storm for it immediately in my brain? Probably not, <laughs> but, you know, if I'm playing green, I would love to have me a guy's cradle in the Chatterstorm. deck. if that thing ain't shut up in price. Yeah, you're like, what are you doing? I'm Chatterstorming immediately in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think there's probably Chatterstorm going right out of my brain. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the cost of some of these has gone crazy. We yeah. talked about Lion's Eye Diamond. Uh, that was a relatively inexpensive card for a long time, and... You know, certainly like five bucks. Uh, it became yeah. It was cheap. It was <laughs> yeah. cheap. It was cheap. Yeah. No one. Want, you don't want to. Excuse me. I can get three mana for free. Wow, that's a. Ama- Hang on. I have to dump my hand. You do. do, that. What do you, I don't want to do, do that. that. <laughs> what the hell am I going to do with that mana? I want to cast spells, not just have an empty hand. Yeah. Obviously, I can see that being a, not a problem. Uh, the the other part, and I know I'm overly focusing on the cons, is requires key pieces, but low density, right? Uh, you have to have consistency within a singleton environment for people to hit these pieces. And I didn't want to lead people down a path, uh, make traps for them where they're seeing integral parts of the storm component. But as the draft is rotating on the table in an eight man draft, uh, if pieces start getting snagged or people are looking at it as a potentially open lane, if you're not cutting them off, uh, you can start losing that. In addition to, you're only really what drafting 180. Am I get that right? Of my 540 in a group, depending Absolutely. normally what we do. It could be. I mean, there's there's different ways, right? You could do yeah. four packs. You could, yeah. yeah, but yeah, so you could be only. You drafting. could be missing pieces of the spectrum. Sure. So it's hard to roll that over another. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of leads into the cross pollination 
issue with the archetype. A lot of those rituals, while they're great and they are kind of a way to fast stream your play lines, they also aren't very versatile in a lot of decks or the game, except for which ones do? Dark Ritual. Dark Ritual. Yeah, we got to pause there. He shouldn't have paused so long on that one. That's a really great card. That card that card is one of the ones that I, in fact, run without Running Storm just because it's so versatile. Dark Ritual is an yeah. amazing card. It helps me cheat in my Grizz Daddy. To be able to it gets my Grizz Daddy in fast. That's it I'm, can. That's what I'm doing with sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, or my Citadel. We'll talk about that shortly. Listen, that's one of my pet cards. You don't yeah. need to tell me about Citadel. And then this kind of goes back to the complex lines that we had discussed previously, Storm Counting. Uh, as a paper version of this, you're requiring both the player who's doing the Storm Counting, but you also need to be auditing their Storm Count. So that means both players need to understand the lines of play. This and, does, you know. This yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Can, you can keep track. And this is, uh, this is kind of one of those archetypes you have to, was it, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. <laughs> people, people sit there, and I'm sitting there and watching you. Storm Count 7. And, and I don't know if I really need to hang out for episode 19 because it's it's coming, right? If I mean, if you want to watch, that's neat, but it, it, it can be painful. Since I've watched some. Sure. <laughs> Something, and I want to mention one. This was not on the original list that when, yeah. we, when we talked about this. Um, but again, this is something that's not going to be an issue I, or I think less of an issue if you're online drafting, like on Moto, for example, compared to if you're paper drafting is hate drafting. If you have, if I'm sitting down at a table, I got eight players and I know one or two of them, maybe I'm not very familiar with Storm. Maybe I have really no idea how to play a Storm deck, but I've played with this group enough to know that, man, that guy and that guy over there, they know how to draft this Storm and I lose on turn one. I don't want to lose on turn one. Do you maybe open yourself up to hate drafting a little bit? Then I'll take, you know, a Tendrils, a Brain Freeze. Yeah, something I mean, you like can, that. Maybe you one can, of those wins. You can cards. speculate on it. Maybe you can speculate. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know what? Four mana storm for tendrils, for example. Sure. It might not be the worst thing in the world to yeah. take. Maybe you want to gain a couple of life, drain your opponents for a couple of life. Not the best way to use the card, but yeah, you know, that I think it's worthy of it's uh, a of playable mentioning. card outside of a storm. It's, it's worth mentioning enough as a yeah. Con, that's I fair. Think. Yeah, I couldn't sit there. Like you could use it to get that you know final final push through. Uh, so I'm gonna let Stoom talk about the types of storm decks that we're going to focus on for this episode. Now, so there's a a, a large amount of storm decks that we're gonna that could possibly exist in the Magic world, yep. but we're gonna focus on six right now, or just to try to keep this uh, episode clean because. Man, the combinations and permutations <laughs> of the word storm yeah. off, it's absurd. Yeah, and I will say that when uh, we talked about this earlier, right? Storm yeah. has become a little bit more than just the storm mechanic, right? Yeah. And trying to win with the storm cards. So first thing that normally comes to my mind is a mono black or a blue black or a Grixis style yeah. storm deck. So yeah. I'm using... If I'm going all black, I'm going heavy as much as I can on the fast mana, the hand disruption, the ritual, dark ritual, right. um, into the just trying to get all the the you know critical spells up, Yorgmath's will, the whole nine yards, get to nine, cast tendrils, win. Um, then there's blue black. You can do a little bit more with blue. You can do a little bit more with blue black yeah. and red. Red, you've got a little bit more access to um, to rituals. Uh, blue, you've got some access to counter magic. So there's definitely arguments for yeah. all three different types of archetypes. So the six that we've constructed for this episode, and we're gonna kind of what we're gonna do is we're gonna lay out what the ones we're gonna talk about. Then we're gonna just kind of go over the role players, and then we're gonna walk you through how it might look. So we're going to focus on some very specific storm decks that we've decided to, to talk about and design for this particular episode. So number one, we'll cover uh, the storm tendrils mono black, and it's going to be the perfect storm. And we're going to cover the perfect storm tendrils Grixis. And then we're going to cover halfway storm. And if you're asking yourself what I mean by that is you basically do the damage up front and then you're using a storm card or as a finisher, for example, like in a, a Rakdos deck where you've already gotten some damage in, but you couldn't quite get lethal, but the tendrils just kind of wraps up the game. So we're going to point four, that. Last six. Yeah, last six. Like that. It's kind of yeah. like you're hobbling on that last leg and you just need to knock it off. Okay. And then we're going to talk about Citadel Storm. 
and we're going to talk about Grizz Daddy Storm, which I like. Grizz Daddy. It's a real thing. And then we're going to talk about some other variants, like Thousand Year Storm, Expansion Explosion, and then we've got uh, one where we're doing a brain freeze loop that where you're self-milling yourself. So before we get going, I'm going to let Stu talk about our A-team. Or we probably should label this the S-tier role players. S-tier. Absolutely. S-tier. They're this not S-tier. A-team, right? Yeah. They're not driving around in a van, like, fighting crime. These are your absolute... <laughs> Gods of Storm, right? So first of all, I already mentioned it, Tendrils, right? Tendrils of Agony. It's a sorcery, two colorless, two black. Target player loses two life and you gain two life, Storm. The gain two life, again, really only going to be impactful if you're looking for this as a more supporting card rather than a finisher. But this is the way, if I'm drafting Storm, this is the way I, I want it. see it in that halfway storm thing I was talking about. Like, it can be. If you're, you're trying to stay alive, maybe a bit of a the tendrils. Yeah, the you're, you've yeah, done you some... I can see this more maybe if you're... Black, obviously, victory at any cost. Right. Maybe you've got, you know, Bob on the battlefield. You've taken some damage. Maybe a mana crypt and you're, like, trying to stay alive, trying to right. finish him off. Maybe that four or six extra life from the tendrils might help. And our next one is Brain Freeze. Wonderful. And- for one blue and one colorless, it's an instant target player puts the top three cards of his or her library into their graveyard storm. Now, that one's going to be another S-tier card, and those are the ones that are going to be synonymous when you're talking about storm. That's what players are looking to find in your cubes, etc. So now we're going to move over to the, as we labeled S-tier, we're going to call them the A-team. But now we're going to move into the B-team players. And I'm going to let Stu cover this subgroup. Yeah, so these are, all right, if we're going to call the first couple of cards, Tendrils um, and uh, and Brain Brain Freeze, Freeze, kind of the S-tier, then we'll call these the A-team, all right? Um, First of all, Mind's Desire. I definitely agree with this being an A rather than S, even though... God, I think Mind's Desire is such a, an amazing card. Um, shuffle your library, exile the top card of your library until end of the turn. You may play that card without paying its mana cost. Storm. Um, this card is completely bonkers. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. I, I don't mind seeing it. Um, obviously, you're going to need to see it in a Demir deck. It costs um, six. It costs six. Yeah. Um, I'm playing Storm. I want to win much earlier than I have. Uh, I think it's great. I think this is more of an EDH role player for me. I guess this is a very late game storm. It's a super cool card. It's just, it's, it's. You could put some dump trucks out there though off of this. I mean, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. It's, it's very flavorful, I guess, even more. And it's more inner. If, for argument's sake, it's a little bit more interactive than the other previous ones. I would agree with that. Yeah. And for me, when I'm when I'm looking at a mind's desire, I'm trying to do something a little more interesting because yeah. I like to draft for fun, right? Yeah. I'm not trying to if I've got a mind's desire, you know what I want to do? I want to put big stupid stuff out it's there. It's not competitive right? storm at that point. No, I want to well, it can be, but I, yeah. I'm I'm probably not I'd just probably trying triggered to some people get in that nine in the stack but, and tendrils yeah. when I've got mind's desire. Right. Even though it absolutely can. Like, don't get me wrong. But for me, if I've got Mind's Desire, I'm, and this is just, again, my fun kind of yep. side of drafting, I'm trying to just do something. The next one I want to do is going to be Chatterstorm because that's, that's like an everyday occurrence for me. <laughs> 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 it's going to be one green and one colorless, create a 1-1 one, one green squirrel creature token, and with Storm. Yeah, no, this is not super powerful, but this is fun. And, dude, this art is bananas. I was going to say the same thing. (laughs) Anytime I get to put a card down that has a squirrel with glowing gold eyes, I'm happy. Yeah, so I have a two-headed giant cube that we've kind of alluded to in the past, and I run an entire storm suite in there with, excuse me, a squirrel suite with Chatterstorm. I run that as a secondary pair, so when it matches up off your partner, as we talked about with how Storm works, yep. every uh, spell that's cast during a turn adds to the Storm count. So in a two-headed giant environment, say Stu and I are versus two other schmucks in our group, uh, we can pair off of one another, and then he can increase my Chatter Storm count, which then I will either use this to an overrun effect or throw him with a Goblin Bombardment if that's where we're at in the game. To follow on with Chatter Storm, Empty the Warrens. Empty is a, a much is a pretty iconic storm yeah, card, right? 
ton of red goblins on the battlefield. Certainly yeah. has got all kinds of potential to combo makes, with other makes cards. Makes two red goblins. It does to make the one. two. So yeah. from a you know from a storm perspective, if I'm trying to go off, it's something like goblin bombardment. But yeah, are you running goblin bombardment? I am in fact. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, another one with super cool art and a pretty iconic card. I want to talk about this next one because it's funny because I want to give a little bit of a jab at one of our good friends. <laughs> it is, maybe I'll help him out here. Maybe I'm gonna help him out with his investment. Okay. And the next card is temporal fisher, and it is for one blue and four colors. Return target permanent to its owner's hands. Storm. Mm-hmm. We have one of our really great friends that we're gonna. We've been coaxing to try to come on this podcast. His name's Kevin. Are you familiar with Kevin? Yes, I'm. He's got books of these in foil. So if you guys are looking to press these prices, he is he is speculating on that market. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is banned in. um, Hints of speculation. It's banned in pauper. Correct. And he is relatively convinced that the day that this gets unbanned. This card is going to be like yes. Bitcoin level. This is like, his Dogecoin. This is his like <laughs> retirement. This Correct. is his like. He's going to one day. This just, is his GameStop stuff. Yeah, he's right? going to just he's, drop he's these going. binders off okay. at some random card shop and walk away with the wealth. He's not doing any of those. None things. of that's happened. It's not real. Don't. He's not doing any of those things. <laughs> Our next one, I'm going to let Stu do. This is more of an EDH card, but this is fun. I like it. Ignite Memories. It's a cool card. I would never run it. It is one red, four colorless. Target player reveals a card at random from his or her hand. Ignite Memories deals damage to that player equal to the card's converted mana cost. That is a cool EDH card. It's a cool card. At best. It's a cool card. If you're running it, though, I'm not That's all it is. Yep. Then we've got some Grape Shot. Grape Shot. Again, I think it's more of an EDH card. I like it. I think it. I, I run it myself. It's a win card in my, one of my EDH decks. If I were desperate, I'd use in that half measures kind of storm. I, I would know. hope that we're not desperate enough to be running grape shot in the storm. You, you might, you might do it at least. So in, in my first trial. iteration of my storm, uh, that's been since uh, just totally taken out of my cube. Man, I went bananas with all these things. I just basically, I think I went to strife all the time, typed in the word storm, and it's like, yeah, that says storm on it. <laughs> Because I was getting on that card. This is when I was a new curator. I just got started out, and this is before I met Stu. And he didn't realize this, but other people were also approached. Hey, Anthony, why are you running Storm in your power cube? And so I'm like, and then yeah, I came I get, along. I, yeah, and you were like, know. this guy's right. How yeah, I just, did I? How did I ever leave this out of my? I just out of totally my caved into What's the masses, put in this thing, spent a lot of money, bought a Yagmas will, and put in Storm entity, thinking because it would do something. I didn't know what I was doing, man. It's just like cards, Storm. Kills. That's what they want. They were asking for it, and they're That's like, exactly "Man, this, what they want. this is terrible. Why would you run this?" <laughs> but crazy. we're gonna move on to some of the C team slash support players that we've kind of alluded to. So, Stu. Yeah, I mean, Goblin Bombardment again uh, does amazing if you've got um, MC the Warrens or any kind of effect that can create a bunch of tokens, Dude. creature, and it deals one damage to target creature or player for one colorless, one red. I definitely think this is a very EDH centric card. Yeah. I love the card. I think it's I I think it's super strong. Uh, would I run it in a storm deck? Probably not. And the reason why is because of the falling of favor of token based strategies from the storm archetype. MC the Warrens just isn't the powerhouse that it used to be. Uh, I think it's a fine card. I love nothing more than just sacking my permanence to deal damage. Do I think it's powerful? Sure. Nah, yeah. But is it good enough? Nah, I do, For me, no. I do run Goblin Bombardment in my power cube because yeah. it gives reach to other archetypes. But I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are you running it as a storm card? No, well, obviously I'm not because you're not I'm even running it running as a storm. supplementary aggro sacrifice, yes. you know, Rakdos kind of role player. I mean, it, it does work, but. It, yeah, I could see if you emptied the Warrens, or even in the case that I mentioned before when I run Chatterstorm in my two at a giant cube, I don't believe I have Goblin Armament in there. I just ran it more for because it says squirrels. So we can kind of pause on this section of the discussion to talk about, and we'll go back and kind of go forward because this is going to be a theme. Yeah. Is about how Storm cards find homes in other archetypes. Right. Right. So this is something that we've talked about. Ad nauseum. Yeah. Love me some ad nauseum. Yeah. It feels like over the years of us discussing your vintage cube in particular, is that, yeah, you can certainly make the argument that there's cards that exist that are massive enablers, if not win cons, in the storm archetype that maybe don't have a particularly 
good home in other archetypes Agreed. that you're Agreed. trying to add to Agreed. your to your to your cube, right? Yep. The landscape is changing. It is. And we can go back and forward again to a card that we already talked about. Actually, to a card that we're probably going to talk about, um, which is a particular red enchantment, which is Underworld Breach. Um, enchantment, one colorless, one red. Each non-land card in your graveyard has escape. The escape cost is equal to the cards, mana cost plus exile three other cards from your graveyard, and then you exile it at the beginning of the end step. Interesting card. I run it in my Neheb. Yes, you do. EDH deck. And when, they, when they see this come down, uh, something's about to happen. It's bad. problematic. Problematic. Bad so, juju. And what we're seeing is we're seeing that these cards that, and I'll reference Lion's Eye Diamond as right. probably the greatest example that was it particularly useful in other archetypes outside of just literally trying to storm off with Yorgmoth's yeah. Will. Yeah. You could probably argue that it wasn't useful at all outside of trying to do that. Now you can see Underworld Breach. Underworld Breach and Lion's Eye Diamond is absolutely preposterously powerful, right? Oh, yeah. Combined with Brain Freeze, which is a common vintage deck. Um, now we're starting to see that those cards that would have only seen homes if you are adding the vint the uh, sorry the storm archetype to right. your cube, there's more support for those cards. But that's kind of back to the uh, what we were saying before about uh, some of these cards struggle to hold their own outside of the archetype. So if you're not drafting it, they they lose their place sometimes and what they're trying to do. So like that card would be a fine example. Yeah, could you? Use that in an interactive way to, say, get back a low-cost uh, interaction like Lightning Bolt or we over-focus on uh, Inquisition of Kozilic. But, for example, you you could. Absolutely. But it's not the ideal interaction that I'm looking for. In the it's not the ideal, but at but least it you know has what? value there outside of just... I get my teeth kicked off. in, though. I'm making choices. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk about the next one. The next one we'll do is Walking Ballista, which I'll let Stu read to you. And I love me some Walking Ballista. So it's an XX artifact creature construct, enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, pay four colorless, add a plus one plus one counter, and for no cost, remove a plus one plus one counter, deals one damage to target creature or player. I am in love with Walking Ballista. Right. I loved it from the first time that it was spoiled. I yeah. run it in my combo deck for EDH. It definitely needs a very high amount of mana to win very quickly, but a wonderful value. Card. Well, this is where it can tether into a storm when you're doing this large volumes of mana production, the LED loops that you're doing and you're building up a Absolutely. large storm count. You can chain them off into a walking ballista. You sure basically. can. That's why I listed that, which alludes to the next card we're going to talk about is going to be Banefire. It's more of the same. It is, and I would consider maybe I'm, and I would consider maybe I'm on an island on this one, but I tend to see Banefire as more spot. And yeah, maybe I'm yeah. by myself with that, yeah. but I don't think I am. But I look at Banefire, to me, it's spot removed. For Banefire, people don't know, it's uh, one, one red plus X. It's a sorcery that Banefire deals X damage to any target. If X is greater or five or more, the spell can't be countered and the damage can't be prevented. That's yeah. a big deal when you're playing against Force of Wills. Yeah, absolutely. Any yeah. any archetype that you're drafting, you right. always need to consider now, counter magic. I currently don't run nice. this in my Power Adventures environment. It's It's been in and out. I've gotten feedback, pro, pros and cons on it. Uh, at the current time, I'm not. But I do I do love this card. I run it in my Neheb EDH, which is like a burn spell deck. The next one we're going to move on to is going to be Expansion Explosion. I'm going to let Stu read that one to you and explain why that would be a Yeah, double-sided card. Uh, expansion, which is um, two CMC. Blue-red or... Well, blue-blue, red-red, or blue-red. Copy target instant or sorcery spell with converted mana cost four or less. You may choose new targets for the copy. And then explosion, which is X, blue, blue, red, red, deals X damage to any target. Target player draws X cards. It's not cheap. Nope. The damage is not insignificant. Nope. And again, pretty sweet spot removal. Yes. Yeah, it's so an instant. This is kind like of drawing cards. This, this tethers into the Walking Ballista Bane Fire Expansion Explosion, whereas yeah. the Goblin Bombardment's kind of its own little island there, right? I yeah. Mean, but I would the, agree. Is it a Storm card? I don't think no, so. No, these are not Storm cards. These are the reach that you're going to get from 
back to what we said in the beginning of the episode, is that Storm has become a loosey-goose kind of term. Sure. So you're storming off into this big explosion. Yeah, especially right? if you're trying to generate a whole bunch of mana. But there is one card that we're about to talk to talk about that's a uh, thousand-year storm. Yeah, four colorless, one blue, one red. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, copy it for each other instant and sorcery spell you've cast before at this turn. You may choose new targets for the copy. Love this card. Storm doesn't like copying, does it? Um, no, no, unfortunately yeah, not. But you yeah. know what Thousand Year Storm <laughs> likes? You know what Thousand Year Storm likes? It likes rituals. Yeah, but it likes York Mothswell for a tutor that was cheap. I can see this card. Anything that I can cast over and over six again. Six mana is so much for me. I'm yeah, it's super expensive. Yeah, I mean, I understand the payoff is, you know, it, the, the, the person on the receiving end of this is going to be done. This isn't that turn one finish. This is that turn, what, seven? <laughs> If I if I've got Thousand Year Storm, I it's great. You know, it's but... blue red. Ideally, I am I'm trying to draft this in a much more controlling deck, whereby yeah. I can sort of hang out for the first few turns. Maybe got a bit of removal in there. Land this yeah. at some point, and then go off the next. I, I think it's turn. powerful, but for me, this is this is uh, this is a commander card for me. If I had to summarize it. It's, People may not agree. It but. needs so much build around for me yeah. in a cube environment that, yeah. yeah, I would agree it's more EDH. So we've, we're still building the idea of Storm. So next we're going to go with some ingredients. We're going to go a little faster here. I'm going to let Stu kind of just chain through these, but these are the fast mana components. Yes, exactly. So the fast mana, no surprises. Black Lotus, Lion's Eye Diamond, we talked about that earlier. Yep. Kind of a crazy card. Really interesting and odd design space. Uh, back then for for a card like this where you yeah. yeah you get three mana it costs you your hand just wasn't appreciated it was kind for of such a design a fail time. the way back when, it right? does doesn't it feel crazy yeah. like yeah. why would i ever want to discard my hand do, do you, but do you think jimmy from r&d got fired that day <laughs> i hope not i hope he got a promotion but he probably didn't because he yeah. probably designed oko um mana crypt Obviously, speaks for itself. Incredible. Mana. Fast mana for zero is wonderful. Uh, the Markson. Oh. Lotus Petal, which I, I, I love Lotus Petal. I do too. Cracks for any mana. Uh, Chromax, again, just a, any kind of zero mana artifact or just, anything else that you get to tap for mana. It's a the, wor- the zero is what gets you the storm count. That was the focus of that whole piece. Yeah, and, Sol and Ring are, I didn't include in that list, but yeah, obviously it's Sol there, Ring yeah. is, is net mana positive, it's so net it positive. deserves yeah, to be there. That's what we're chasing, yeah. yeah. So now we're going to move over to some ritual effects, which is another key integral piece of the storm mechanic. This is uh, probably, this is a, we're storming off in this uh, episode because this is a complicated episode to cover all the mechanics and the, the intricacies built into this archetype, right? Yeah, so it sure bear is. with us as we try to bumble our way through the complexities as we discuss them, but we're hoping this is giving you a roadmap. I mean, it actually, when you sort of strip it down, right. it's extremely straightforward, right? If you're trying to combo off, if you're trying right. to cast as many spells as possible in the same turn, you want there's only fast and efficient. Well, there's, think about it. There's only two things that you need. Right. You need mana. Yep. You need cards. Yep. The rituals don't give you cards, but they do do give you mana. They accelerate you. They accelerate you, right? So this is the way to just be able to generate a whole bunch of mana. And at the same time, you're generating a whole bunch of storm count. For the people who aren't familiar how this normally looks is if you're storming off in a paper environment, you're going to have somebody that's going to have a dice rolling over and saying storm count, blah, blah, blah. I've got three red in pool. And they're going to roll a dice and say, I've got two black in pool. And that's what you're going to be watching is this. Uh, goes through its different steps and measures. absolutely, and that's where these ritual effects is. You're going to be watching those uh, dice kind of flop over, so pay attention to that. You have to keep your uh, your auditing skills on. You do have to keep your wits about. Yeah, you, you, gotta, and, you and you know, don't, don't let them just go solo. <laughs> exactly. And look, I play effects like this in right. other formats. Right. I always try to be honest. Right. I, I'm not. You know. A yeah. No, kind we're of not player. saying anybody's trying to cheat. We're just saying this is easy to screw up. It can be. It's hard. It's hard. And, and by the way, on this channel, we have libations. It gets harder. <laughs> Math is hard. <laughs> I kind of check out after about 30 minutes of the first game. Storm is, is basically <laughs> what I'm saying, right? I yeah. need to have yeah. at least done what my deck was designed to do in the first game yeah. or two. Because after that, I'm like, who's That's all That's why we love Cube. It's a little bit more expedited. <laughs> all right. So ritual effects. We're going to cover some of these. It's going to be Dark Ritual. Uh, pay one. Add three black mana in your pool. 
desperate ritual. Pay one red at, and colorless, add three red to your mana pool, and splice on came, which, eh, yeah. Having, eh. Yeah. And then we got High Tide. It's pay one blue, and then you, until the end of the turn, uh, all islands produce an additional uh, blue whenever they're tapped for their Not mana. just your islands. Oh, everyone's all. islands. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that. Okay, okay. I learned something today. Thank you for you allowing me to join the play? podcast. I, you know, I'm, magic is hard. Anthony right. made this cube about three weeks ago, I- so he's still learning <laughs> some of these like brand new cards that are coming out like High Tide. Seething Song, one red, two colorless, add five mana to your pool. I run this in my Neheb EDH because it accelerates them out. But yeah, mm-hmm. Rite of Flame, pay one red. Uh, you can add two red to your mana pool, then add one to your mana pool for each... Each I card named Rite of Flame. This, to me, I, I know you mentioned this, and... It's, yeah. it's not a single. But some people, some people break singleton. So but, I felt compelled. But yeah. it's net positive. It is. And it's adding to your storm count. We're going to skip past culling the weak, although I put it in here. It, it is interesting, though. It's sacrifice a creature. You pay one to put it, one swamp to put on the field. Sacrifice creature, add four uh, black mana to your mana pool. Uh, culling the weak is actually a neat card. Uh, the next one's going to be Grin and Ingus. Uh, that is for one. Red, two colorless. You can uh, basically it's a, produces a two-two elemental. You can pay one, return Granny Ingus to your owner's to the owner's hand. Add two colorless and one to your mana pool. Play this ability only during the time you can play a sorcery. It is basically a spell that you drop down. It replaces itself in mana value, and you can kind of you can loop it. There's a couple others that do that. There's the spirits, the spirit that does that, etc. Yeah, there's some loops. I mean, you can it's do here. pretty good if you've got like some kind of you know. Aristocrats effect, maybe. Yeah. And, um, there's some infinite. There's a lot of infinite things you can do with this. But... Yeah. I mean, so during this episode, I kind of just felt like we should mention all the pieces. I was trying to be a little bit more robust here to be considerate. And now we're moving on to our next piece, which is kind of our getting down to the how the recipes making is. All but... right. So this is one of the just most absurd cards that's ever been printed in my opinion yeah. i love it with all of my being is yorgmoth's will so this is two colorless one black sorcery until end of turn you may play cards in your graveyard as though they were in your hand cards put into your graveyard this turn are removed from the game instead or exiled um yeah forget about it this is yeah. absurd in a storm deck forget just playing a few cards from your hand. Now you get to play a bunch of stuff from your hand. The classic move is you enter your hand, you play Yorgmoth's Will, you crack Lion's Eye Diamond in response to the Yorgmoth's Will to get even more mana. The Lion's Eye Diamond goes to your graveyard, the Yorgmoth's Will resolves, and then you just get to play everything from your graveyard all over again, which ideally is all the rituals, Dark Ritual, you know, Moxon, Black Lotus, all that kind of stuff. Get a bunch of mana. Maybe you've got a tutor. Maybe it's already in your hand. Maybe it's already in your graveyard. But then you get to that nine storm count for tendrils of agony and bang, you win the game pretty quickly. So this convers- this is actually sparks the most conversations that we have uh, yeah. disagreement on. I, I do not run a uh, storm shell. Boo. Stu is arguing that I must Boo. have Yagmas will, and I am working extensively to make him understand. Outside of a storm environment, this becomes an ewit. Um, not even a good e-wit just an e-wit have i convinced you no okay what i'm not going to uh the next one we're going to do is pass in flames yeah so this is basically orgmoth's will for instance and sorceries they gain but they gain flashback uh flashbacks equal to its mana cost um and it's three colorless one red so it's one extra mana the new right. Orgmoth's Will. Right. It only impacts instants and sorceries, so you don't get the uh, the Lion's Eye Diamonds and the Black Lotus is back, but still pretty powerful. Yeah, it lets you just continue to break the idea of Storm. Yeah. And the next one was the one we discussed previously is Underworld Breach, and for one red, one colorless, you get an enchantment. Each non-land card in your graveyard has escape. The escape cost is equal to the card's mana cost Plus, exile three other cards from your graveyard. This was that uh, brain freeze loop that we were talking about before. Oh, and one important part is at the beginning of your end step, sacrifice on roll breach. You can loop this silly. 
Yeah, so the lines with this are essentially you generate mana, you brain freeze yourself, brain freeze goes into your graveyard. Yep. Um, and then ideally you want some fast mana, right? You want right. Black Lotus, you want LED. LED. Yeah. You cast those, get some more mana, they go to your graveyard, or they're sorry, they're in your graveyard, you exile some spells. Um, you brain freeze yourself again. You get a bunch of more cards into your graveyard. You cast Black Lotus. You cast Lonzo Diamond again. Uh, you brain freeze yourself again and you build up a storm count. And then you get to the point where you've got a storm count high enough that you can brain freeze your opponent and they're drawing dead. Yeah. It's such a juxtaposition of how you would normally play. You're yeah. going to spend more time milling yourself just to build up that count in that scenario just to finish on your storm count on your opponent who's. Well, I guess they're expecting it at that point. Yeah, and this is a much newer line because obviously yeah. Underworld Bridge is a much newer card. Yeah, than it's pretty well and, and Yorgmoth's Will and yeah. Tendrils of Agony. I this like that. I, d- super, I dig that super line. Super powerful. That, that and guess almost convinced me to put Storm in, but I'm not there. But I was on the cusp. I would say, and it's it, interesting, and I would agree. It's not just as interesting, but it's very powerful. And again, right. you're not just adding Lion's Eye Diamond and the Rituals and all of those cards that are Storm Enablers. And you can certainly make the argument that there's cards that exist that are Storm Enablers that maybe aren't quite as effective in other archetypes. Underworld Breach is yet another card that unlocks the potential. This card is powerful. It's incredible. So we're going to move on to our next section of the ingredients. Oh my gosh, this cookbook is huge. Yes, it is. So we're going to go on to tutors, basically. In order to get all your pieces to be able to do all this fancy stuff, you got to have the tutors. Or you don't have to, but they're ideal. So we talked about them before, but I'll I'll read them for people who aren't familiar or they're new to the game. Uh, One of the major players is going to be Demonic Tutor. For one black and one colorless, you get a sorcery. Search your library for a card, put that card into your hand, then shuffle. I mean, that's self-explanatory. You go get whatever you want out of your library. It's now in your hand. Sounds good to me. I mean, yeah. You get your storm wind con. You get DT, your pieces. Yeah. So the next one we're going to do is Vampiric Tutor, which I really love this new art. I did dig the old vampire kind of whispering over the young I tutor, I, 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 I like the this art. This art's awesome. But... I, I have to. I, I run the, I got, the white I got, border. I got them both. I, I only run the old old. Yeah, art. they're both fantastic. I, I'm I'm traditionalist. So vampiric tutor is for one black. You get an instant. Search your library for a card, then shuffle your library and put that card on top of your library. Lose two life. The next one is mystical tutor. Pay one blue instant. Search your library for an instant or source card. Reveal that card. Shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. We have a theme. And the next one was, uh, when I mentioned it, Stu, he's like, why is this on your list of tutors? Tinker. Why, why is it in there, Stu? What did I tell you? <laughs> Listen. Yeah. I know full well Tinker good. is one good. of, it, it's that, a stupidly powerful Why is that card. in a storm deck? Let's do it. I'm going to make you say it. Bolus is silly. <laughs> and I know. I know. You know that I love me some Bolus is Citadel. Do. Um, which, interestingly enough, I've actually taken it out of a couple of my EDH decks recently. It. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful card. card. I run that card in my, I run that card in my, I still run it in my Powered Vintage, but I also run it in my Artifact Cube, even though I'm not storming. Just because I, I can still feel like I'm storming, right? I can Absolutely. Go, I can go bananas. I can tinker that up and go nuts. I want a Bloodstone Colossus. Forget anything else. If I'm tinkering, I want to put a Blightsteel Colossus on the battlefield. Yeah, if, I, if I have one, you have to draft it first. I do. <laughs> and if I have Tinker, you know I'm so going hard for... We're going to kind of short... We're going to shorten this one yeah, up. Yeah, I don't bit, think we need to sort of reinvent the There's so many pieces to Storm. Yeah. Wheel um, of Fortune effects, Time Spiral, Frantic Search, Memory Jars. Get anything that's Anything that's reloading your hands, that's what Storm players want to see is they want to... They want to empty their hands, draw fresh cards, loop into free spells, loop into cantrips, loop into mana accelerants, uh, hit those pieces, basically getting that storm count to well up to his peak, and then that's when they drop the bomb. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and similarly with um, Memory Jar, we haven't talked about that previously, but yeah. I love me some Memory Jar. I just right? took it recently super, out super of my... I, so I took it out of my Power Cube recently. I actually have two copies of it just sitting around the binder doing nothing. I have strong the fancy card. foil and strong yeah, card. I need to do something with it. Yeah. yeah I love the card. You, dump your hand, get a memory jar out, crack it, get seven, seven cards for the I'll, next I'll, turn. I'll read the What's cards that we have on here just for, you can look them up on your own. Cause this list is 
pretty massive. Let's go back up to the top, but it's going to be, I mean, we've got Time Twister, we've got Wheel of Fortune, we've got Time Spiral, Frantic Search, Metamorphose. I put in Turnabout, kind of reachy, but it's still a thing. Memory Jar, Dig Through Time. I even put Dramatic Reversal in there. That's getting loose. I get I it's it. It's a bit EDH-centric. Chitaxian Probe, sure. because it's you know, Phyrexian Mana. Mana Flare, because it's a doubler. Then we already talked about Thousand Year Storm. I mean, yeah. these are all cards that are just going to, in layers, they'll make you just explode off. So now we're going to go over, the, we talked about previously the Storm variants, and we're going to do a play-by-play. We're going to walk through the steps, and I'm going to let Storm, uh, excuse me, Stu start out with the first one. We're going to call him Storm. Storm Go ahead, Go ahead Storm you're trying, Stu. You're, you're desperate for me Let's, to... to all right, so to Stormy Stu is going to call out a complex line for mono black, perfect Storm, turn one kill. Go. So, yeah, this is pretty straightforward. I did this for a mono black, and I, I don't necessarily need to track the Storm count. You can do this if you're particularly interested. Uh, but it was Lotus Petal, uh, Thoughtseize, Black Lotus, Dark Ritual, Demonic Tudor, Lion's Eye Diamond with Yorgmoth's Will. Um, obviously, respond to your own Yorgmoth's Will with cracking the Lion's Eye Diamond for Triple Black, Dark Ritual, Lotus Petal, Thoughtseize, and then Tendrils of Agony. So that is the perfect nine card or Turn nine spells. one yeah. kill. Nine spells I, and then tendrils. For we ten. will include this recipe in the show notes because <laughs> we tried reading this out loud and it's nuts. I mean, he went through storm count. What'd you get? Storm count nine. I mean, obviously I'm very familiar with storm. <laughs> yeah. So it's very, very yeah. easy for me to just yeah. write it so out. So we put a like challenge other is- to some of our friends. I'm like, man, I need you to write me the perfect storm recipe. I want a mono black and I want a Grixis. So Stu did the Mono Black, our buddy Kevin did the Grixis, and we're going to move on to the Grixis one now. Let's go through that recipe. Uh, we're going to try to make it a little cleaner. We're just going to call out the cards. So we're going to do a turn one perfect Grixis. This is Magical Christmas Land, folks. Tendrils, Storm Kill. No lands, Storm Count 10. This is pretty bonkers. Yeah. Turn one, Black Lotus. Break for three Black Mana. Dark Ritual. Demonic Tutor for Tendrils. LED. Break for three Red Mana. Past in Flames, Dark Ritual, Yogmoth's Will, Black Lotus, LED, Break LED for three blue, Ancestral Recall, Break LED for three black, Tendrils. So anyways, what we're trying to show you in this, the exercise, and I know it's a bit absurd, is we went through and did the perfect formula of how you would do that, and it was with no lands. It's kind of why I hate Storm, if we're not going to lie. <laughs> we drafted for, what, 50 minutes, and you just beat me in two? Yeah. <laughs> that's 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 fun for all. <laughs> yeah, it's my fun. I yeah, don't care if you're Scoop it up fun. and draft again for another hour. <laughs> Listen, I, I, can, I can put a movie on if you want to have fun. I, I want to Storm off. So we're going to do Perfect Storm, Brain Freeze, turn one. I mean, we're doing this. Dude, guys, we're just doing this for fun. Yeah. I mean, so it's something this, silly. So I, I like this because it's Brain Freeze, and Brain Freeze, I think, is super cool. So this is Swamp, Dark Ritual, Lion's Eye Diamond into Yorgmoth's Will, um, Crack the LED for Black. Um, holding priority. Obviously, holding priority yeah. with Yorgmoth's Will. Um, you're getting three Black. LED yep. from the Yard, Crack for three Blue. Dark Ritual, Brain Freeze, Remand it back to your hand. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, and then Brain Freeze again. Yeah, for GG. It mills them for 24. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Yeah. So the next one we're going to talk about is Halfway Storm. Uh, basically, you're going to put pressure on, then you're going to close the storm or close the uh, death with, say, a storm kill with tendrils. So the idea is, for instance, like with Rakdos, uh, Goblin Rabble Master, uh, you're basically going to bolt them. You're going to fire blast them. You're going you're gonna to march forward as far as you can go. And you're going to layer it so you can get as many spells on the stack. You're going to hit uh, incinerates, uh, like I said before, bolts, whatever. You're going to pressure them. And this is kind of like, how do you complete that loop? Well, with tendrils of agony. Well, while this is not an ideal storm situation, and I know it's a real reach. It's whenever you've grabbed that one extra card as a 23rd and you want to find a home, you need a finisher because you need to grab a little further than you could hit before. I, think it, you there. I think it justifies I think it's even further... The yeah. existence of the storm cards in the cube, <laughs> right? I mean, next, I could see next, running. Next draft. So, as a side note, before we continue off to the next one, past halfway storm is I have considered making a storm module. 
I think this yeah, I is. I, I think it's wonderful. It's I think peer pressure, we guys. Peer probably pressure. should save this for another episode. Yeah. Question Mo- mark. Module module construction. Modular. Yeah. Cube construction. Yeah, it's a thing. Well, this already been covered by other podcasts. I think you can go into more, but it, it is a thing. Uh, people build modular Absolutely. cubes where they rotate them around. I, I, I don't have that time to maintain that kind of database. This That's is, just not. This true. is hard You've got enough. Nothing better to do. <laughs> I know your life. You got nothing better to do this. So the next one that we're going to go over is, it's one of my personal favorites, is Citadel, uh, basically Top Storm. And what you're going to do with this is you're going to play Bullet Citadel, which is going to be the key player here. And so for three black and three colorless, you may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may play the top card of your library. If you cast a spell this way, you pay life equal to the converted mana cost uh, rather than pay its mana cost. Then you can tap it, sacrifice 10 non-land permanents, each opponent loses 10 life. That activated is, ability is amazing. of Bolas' Citadel is understated, let yeah. me tell you. It's oh, yeah. very powerful. Well, that's that's the key part here for this version of Lucy Goosey Storm. Uh, it's, it's complemented best by Sensei's Divining Top, which is if people are not aware, you pay one colorless, you produce an artifact. You pay one, look at the top three cards of your library, then put them back in any order. Or you can tap it, draw a card, then put Sensei's Divining Top back on top of its own library. What this allows you to do is top deck me- manipulation, allowing... Sure does sound like nice with uh, Aetherflux Reservoir. Correct. Just saying. Correct. I've seen people actually... Just saying. What it does is it allows you to manipulate the top deck of the library, top card of the library, so mm-hmm. that you can uh, get those key components. And you can drop out this just massive, you can either storm off of this, for example, hitting all your pieces, or you can just hit creature counts or whatever. Yep. And then, as Stu mentioned before, that tap part's no joke. Even if you can't get the reach with the storm components, with IE uh, tendrils, etc., you could just, at the end of the day, tap that, hit them, blast them for an additional 10 that you've already done. It does. It hits in that halfway storm thing. It too. does, and now you only need four spells cast previously, Correct. and then tendrils, and yeah. you win. And then flop it over and blow up your lands, everything. I mean, and I'll, oh, I'll, non-land. Excuse me, it's non-land permanent. Yeah, all the same. Non-land, but yeah. you know, whatever. It gives you reach. It does. I love Three, this card. I love Bolas Citadel. You can hit it with Tinkers. I teased you about before. exactly. It's a Tinker into Bolas Citadel. I mean, that's it's that's a, a, a thing. It's a vintage strategy. It's not, it's not, it's the, it's not the ideal situation for that, but for me, I, I man, I love that line. Of I line. am never going to be unhappy to have a Bolasy Citadel right. online. It's it's a stupidly powerful card. Yeah. So we're going to move to the next uh, recipe that we and also Sensei's Divining Top. Love it. Here's why I don't. It slows games. Oh yeah. Down. There's well, a reason why it was banned in Legacy. You're just spending so much time spinning the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, EDH, it's a little... Well, I mean, if we're making no. an argument about time, fetch lands, tutors, dude. We literally talked about those like they're normal. They slow down the game. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, top for in inex- So, top for an inexperienced player, it, it definitely becomes molasses for a game. It it's, does. They need to have a plan. You're stacking on purpose, not just because you want to know. That's fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's All right, fair. so last we're going to talk about is Grizzlebrand, uh, Grizz Daddy Storm... Essentially, Grizzlebrand. Uh, so, Grizzlebrand Storm is you want to get Grizzlebrand out as quickly as possible. It's a four colorless, four black, flying lifelink, flyer, seven, seven, pay seven life, draw seven cards. It's a great storm enabler. You yeah. just get a bunch of cards I mean, in your it's, hand. It's That's an individually it. fantastic card. Yes. But we decided to latch this on because Grizz Daddy Storm is real. Absolutely. You could launch off here. So we kind of did some lines of play. So like turn one, uh, Dark Ritual, Entomb, Search for Grizzlebrand, then Exhum them or Animated at them, put Grizzlebrand onto the battlefield, pay X life, draw X cards, Lotus Petal, Memnite, whatever, Putrid. I mean, you can go nuts. Yes. And, and hit all your triggers and then just Grand Finale, Drop Tendrils, 20 life. I mean, you can... Yeah, the, the risk is, is that you're burning your life I mean, you're you're hitting yourself pretty hard here. But those those wheel sevens that you're getting for the pay seven life out mm-hmm. of Grizzlebrand. But yeah, it, it's it's a stupidly powerful creature, regardless. Even outside of any kind of storm, you can chain like, off pretty nuts here. Yeah, it's a three turn clock. Yeah. So that that I hope <laughs> this has been a complex conversation. That's I mean, it, yeah, that that's kind of what I wanted out of a, out of a storm episode, though, right? Because it's a complex archetype. It's a very difficult 
archetype to draft. It's a yeah. difficult archetype to play. It's a difficult a archetype to podcast. It's sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would agree. I would agree with that. It's yeah. been wonderful it, though. It's, 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 um, it's exciting and fun. And as I said before, I have considered building a modular portion. I didn't want to take the additional real estate within my 540 vintage cube to add this. He will. But I will in time. But I'm people, drowning him if he doesn't. Yeah, I've got two players out of like eight that says thumbs That's 25%. Up, so. <laughs> if I gave you 25% odds to win the lottery, would you play the lottery? Yes, of course you would. Yes, I would. Yes, there I you would. go. All right. So we want to do some shout outs here real quick. One of our big uh, shout-outs is we want to say thank you to everybody who contributed to the Swords. Yeah, everyone who added a Design. submission to the, to the Swords episode. Thank you guys so much. That, that was, was on the Twitter at UberCubeMTGPod and also on our Discord. Wonderful submissions. Thank you guys for contributing. That was Just really totally fun Totally creative. They were exciting. Uh, all of them were realistic realistic i would actually draft them and play them if not in cube but definitely in edh but man good submissions great submissions loved it the next shot i want to do is to our local lgs game theory it's in uh raleigh uh north carolina it's at 5910 Raleigh road uh suite 125 absolutely love this store this is where i try to get almost all of my cube supplies sleeves uh play mats singles foils, Want to go out and jam some games. Absolutely. It's just, I, Great I love store. this place. Yeah. Great store. I try to make it my regular Thursday pit stop. But yeah. yeah. If you're in the area, I recommend stopping by and checking it out. I absolutely love game theory. So that's pretty much uh, it for a out of reaches kind of thing. So who's going to read that out? Yeah, absolutely. As always, reach out to us. Hit us up on Twitter at UberCubeMTGPod. You can also hit us up via email at UberCubeMTGPodcast at gmail.com. And we also have a link to our Discord on Twitter as well. So come by, join us, hang out with us, and uh, you know, talk about all things Cube and Magic. And uh, really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun making it. Yeah, and it was really fun. And as always, happy Cuban. Happy Cuban. Peace out. Bye.